This episode is sponsored by Citadel. Citadel is a company that will help meet all your cybersecurity needs in one spot. Citadel's purpose isn't just to help you keep yourself safe, but it's also to empower you. It's one more thing Citadel can pull off of your plate of things to do that can make your life a little bit easier and safer. Go to www.citadel.com today. That's S-I-T-T-A-D-E-L.com. We'd love to set up a time to sit down and chat to help you make your business more secure and protect the thing that's most valuable to you. Citadel.com. We're here for you. These things look disgusting. What do you have on your feet? I'm going to describe what's on your feet to our viewers. Imagine if you took your shoe and stripped everything away from the shoe except the bottom of it. Okay. And then on top, Mm -hmm. you put underwear. (laughs) Yeah. That's the shoe. That is what this shoe looks like. It looks like you're sticking your foot in someone's underwear with a shoe sole on the bottom. If you want to finish a bag of cheeses before we get started, I'm okay with that. I'm not. Let's get this thing done. Hey, uh, thanks for tuning in to the Citadel podcast. We're doing a special Swapcast this week. Emergency Swapcast. An emergency Swapcast. I am... Swap. Swap. What did Not, I say? You said Swatcast. <laughs> you know, it's those cybersecurity terms getting in there. Sealed no, with what? a Sealed with a... What is it? <laughs> swat is a cybersecurity term now? You're going to pass that off? You can swat other streamers? Yeah, okay. That's, that's a cybercrime. Get out of here. Continue. What kind of crime is that? It's a physical. No, that's a cyber crime. It's an incidental crime. It's an incidental crime. It's an occidental. Uh, this week only, I am your host, Joshua Sitta. Don't say only. I'm correcting you all these times. I'm sorry. Continue. Hey, this week, I'm joined by my co-host, yes. comedian Nate Fleming. That's me, folks. The reason we started this podcast. That's right. And um, what's going to make this episode special is that Nate Fleming is bringing the cybersecurity... And I'm going to be the one making it lit. Oh, my God. <laughs> I feel offended. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. I feel deeply offended by hearing you say that. But it's okay. How do you drink coffee when podcasting? I go way back. I go way back over here. Oh, okay. And then I slowly slurp it. We'll okay. So, out. yeah. So, today's episode is an emergency. Not necessarily an emergency. We're just calling it that. It's, it's out of turn. Normally, we'd be airing Stuxnet. Yeah, but this time we're airing this podcast, which is culturally relevant. Yeah. Where we're keeping up with current events. There was a massive hack uh, that happened. You must be talking about Solar Winds. Oh no, Solar Winds is a small one. I'm sorry. Did you say Solar Winds? Oh, is a small I said one? Solar Winds is a small one, Joshua. Oh. Solar Winds compromised. Compromised? Is that the word? Yeah. I, sure. Okay. Uh, Eighteen thousand is the the units. Measurement businesses is that how many businesses the number of compromised the number of compromised units yeah <laughs> organizations <laughs> organizations eighteen thousand this hack initially reported as thirty thousand and now we're probably sitting around one hundred twenty thousand and it is a global hack solar winds was just the U S just the U S ah man it doesn't make it any better though solar winds is really bad and that yeah. was when I was first like yo I am interested in this stuff because it's cool and now we got this Microsoft one it's big. Yeah, we welcome to the cybersecurity party where we we get finished saying this is the worst ever. We wipe the sweat off mm-hmm. of our brow, and then there's the next headline, and we find out that there's a new worst ever. There's more worst ever, more worst ever. So I did all the research, and I don't understand any of the words. That's fine because I haven't done any of the research, and I do know all the words. You know every word. Okay, I, I what's the so. first word? The. 
Okay. All right. A little smart over here. Look at that. Hey, make it a lit. Okay. So we're just going to talk through the quick timeline. This is a basic, just a basic timeline. Just a basic timeline. This is from uh, Krebs on Security. Yeah. From Krebs on Security. Brian Krebs, incredible cybersecurity journalist. And he's on, on security. He's on it. He's on it. Uh, so he has crafted a rough timeline, and this is from, uh, he wrote this March 21st? You know that Brian Krebs once- No, March 8th. I apologize. It's 2021. So He, he, he once uh, sent us a little, an email. Really? Sent yeah. who an email? Oh, I can't talk about that. I'm, we'll cut that out. You, go <laughs> make it clean. <laughs> I forgot. Make it clean. Man, it's crazy that he sent you an email. I can't believe we cut out that part I just said. <laughs> okay, so basically January 5th, there's a tweet that goes out from one of the DevCore workers. Um, DevCore is just like a it's like a conglomerate of people who search for bad things on the internet. Like uh, guys who try to make security better by finding holes in security. Essentially, they're like the mall cops of the internet. Okay, the Paul Blarts. <laughs> yes, not not two, just one. Yeah. They alert Microsoft to their findings of what they found. And it was through the form of a tweet. January 5th, it says, just reported a pre-auth RCE chain to the vendor. This might be the most serious RCE I have ever reported. Hope there's no bug collision or duplicate. An RCE is a race car. Is it really? No. That's an RCX. RSX. With the tires popped out? I don't know. A lowrider? A CRX. There's a couple of letters you put together and you get a car. That's what I'm aware of. C-A-R. <laughs> okay, that's it. <laughs> that's the one. RCE. Uh, what we're talking about, remote RCE. code execution. RCE stands for remote code execution. It is, it's really one of the worst kinds of vulnerabilities you can have because it means remotely, not even being at your computer, I can execute code that you don't know about. So I can run programs on your computer without even, uh, without your knowledge. Right? Cool. A remote code execution vulnerability pretty much the worst i didn't know what an rce was i was like oh man it sucks they got race cars on their network gotta stop we gotta stop them uh-huh yeah so they find it january 5th it's reported to microsoft like hey you got this problem so they just they found it and then they announced we found we found gold here we found a really critical vulnerability well january 6th velocity spotted attacks that use the vulnerabilities in exchange. So that's where these vulnerabilities are. They then reveal that these vulnerabilities are found within Microsoft Exchange. If you work at a business, you probably use Microsoft Exchange. Yeah, yeah. So Microsoft Exchange is the that's that email server that we talked about in the episode three. Yes. I, I love you. Yes. The email server, the, the post office, essentially, the online post office. Now, this uh, vulnerability only affects physical servers, like your physical chassis. C H A S S I S. Yeah, yeah. A metal server, not a, not a, uh, not using Office three sixty five or Microsoft three sixty five, which is a cloud server, or one would call it theoretical. Okay, you can call it that. I just, I am the one who would call it that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One would call it, and it's me. Mm -hmm. January eighth, DevCore reports Microsoft had reproduced the problems and verified the findings. So it took three days to verify the findings of DevCore. Microsoft was like, let's take a little bit and let's look at it. Uh, let's see, Trend Micro hops in and says, yo, uh, there are some web shells being dropped via exchange flaws with our stuff. Yeah, so that means there that uh, Trend Micro noticed that um, they were able to get into like a, uh, a command interface hmm. uh, remotely through this. That's a web shell? 
Yeah, a web shell is a. We did this. We've done this before. Yeah, we did it on the podcast before. Uh, no one knows that's a that's a podcast that was recorded improperly, but it is not a crossover between Ninja Turtles and Spider Man. <sighs> I'm making it lit this week. Sorry, you want to do that joke? <clears throat> it's not a crossover. <clears throat> it's not a crossover between Spider Man and Ninja Turtles. Web shell. Hey, we just end the podcast. That's it. That's we're done. We are at uh, January twenty ninth. This is a full twenty four days after the discovery of the vulnerability. And web shells are hard to define, but it is. uh, Trend Micro is saying that. Yep, we see that vulnerability. We see people exploiting that vulnerability in the wild. It's being actively used against organizations. February eighth, Microsoft tells Dubex it has escalated its report internally. February 8th is a month and three days later. So this vulnerability that somebody found and then mm-hmm. said, hey, y'all, I found the scariest vulnerability ever. Mm-hmm. It's just been unmitigated, completely unmitigated. Month for and three days. A month and three days. Month and three days. Uh, they had a target date of March 9th for publishing security updates because they do uh, uh, Patch Tuesday. So yeah. once a month, Patch Tuesday, first Tuesday of the month, they release an update. February 26th to 27th. The target exploitation gradually turns into a global mass scan. Attackers start rapidly backdooring vulnerable servers. So they start looking. Oh, Nate! Uh, one of the one of the functions of Exchange servers as as the client access server, as the thing that you have to log into, an Exchange server has to kind of identify itself to the outside world. It kind of has to tell people you're logging into an Exchange server. Yeah. Which means you can remotely scan for every physical uh, exchange server that's that theoretically that's out there that isn't behind some kind of a firewall that, that is blocking that or some other technology. Which would probably be a surprising amount of people who don't have their exchange stuff set up properly. Oh, for sure. Yeah. By and large, most of the exchange servers that I've put my hands on have been, it's been the mail server and it's been a file server and it's, it's just a multi-purpose server that's just yeah. kind of stuck in the corner and every once in a while somebody has to reboot it. That's a lot of things you can get your hands on, too. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. for sure. Where are we at? March 2nd, a week earlier than previously planned, Microsoft releases updates to plug four zero-day flaws in exchange. An off-cycle, an out-of-cycle patch means Microsoft is saying, this is so bad, we can't wait for our regular implementation windows. we got to shove this down the pipe right now. Man, that's a quick one. That's a... Yeah, wow. You know, we... Uh, issued this out of cycle. <laughs> yes, episode. this this episode is so impressive. It's easily our best episode so far. Already, already, I'm easily. Ch- I'm checking the reviews. Yeah, we'll we'll see the reviews. So, mom, hit that hit that five stars on this one, please. My mom actually likes you more. Really? What's up, Janice? Janice? What's Jesus. up, Janice? <laughs> Jesus. Try that again. Make it clean. <clears throat> well, now you've cemented me as having a chance. <laughs> What's up, Janet? <laughs> like I'm not, I'm not on top now. I'm. I just have a chance now because you got her name wrong. No, I'm editing that out. Oh my god, <laughs> he called you Janice. <laughs> so it also says, and I'm gonna, I'm just gonna toss this in here, Janice. That uh, March third, tens of thousands of Exchange servers compromised worldwide, with thousands more getting freshly hacked each hour. White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan tweets about the importance of patching exchange flaws and how to detect if systems are already compromised. Also, when I was pulling up the web pages I had before and I Googled it, there was a search, like an ad bot on the very top that said, hey, are you compromised? 
we'll help you figure out if you're compromised. I don't know who the company was, but we'll help you figure out if you're compromised. Let us know. Nate, there's a new trend. Micro? Uh, there's a new trend micro of um, cybersecurity bad guys. Once they start to get found out, they will start buying ads that specifically remediate their own. So they don't remediate it. They're, exactly. They get paid to keep it there. Exactly. What are we doing making a podcast? That sounds way more lucrative. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're white hats. I'm a white hat. You're? Are you not a white hat? I'm not a hacker. Oh. I'm a, I'm a defense guy. I'm a blue team. I'm all blue team. Well, I'm all white hat. We'll see what happens to you later. I've never done anything bad with a computer. Ever. Are you doing this because you know I have a habit of making you admit to things that you do on the <laughs> podcast? <laughs> You're just preemptively ready for me to ask a question that causes you to admit guilt in any wrongdoing? I was I was around a campfire. Okay, this is easy. <laughs> 24 hours ago, I was around a campfire, and somebody was like, Hey, Josh, tell us about those Y2K stickers. What's the statute of limitations on that? Is it 21 years exactly? Uh, Yeah. Then we're good. Checked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're good. Someone around. It's crazy that your son listens to the podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he calls me Josh. Yeah. March. Uh, March fourth is when the National Security Advisor, White House National Security Advisor, tweeted about it. March fifth, one twenty-six p.m. There's a live White House briefing about it. This is this is unusual. The 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 federal government has um, methods of communicating with organizations that might be compromised, or and even with the public about um, things that they, they need to have uh, big concerns about. Um, they've got something together called the CISA, which CISA, CISA yeah, um, and they release all the time periodic updates. Here's a here's a summary of all the most critical vulnerabilities, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. When all this was going on, CISA was just. Ham- they were just blowing up my phone. Joint uh, information dumps between the CISA and the FBI. Information from uh, from from the White House now we're getting into. Yes. They're trying to get all this information into the hands of Americans as quickly as they can. Because there's not anything normally that warrants this. The scope of this is what makes this. The scope and the intensity, which we'll get to in a little bit, the intensity of the vulnerabilities. Yeah, they report that about thirty thousand victims, uh, thirty thousand people have been compromised in the U.S. Hundreds of thousands worldwide have back doors installed, and that was that was what this are we was going? March fifth. March fifth. Okay. Wired.com confirms the reported number of victims, and March fifth, eight oh four, former CISA head Chris Krebs, not Krebs on security, right. but brother from another mother, is what Krebs says. The real victim numbers dwarf what's been reported publicly. Hmm. So there's more than hundreds of thousands of people or hundreds of thousands of businesses compromised. Hundreds of thousands? I thought... Worldwide. Oh, and 30,000 American. Correct. I see. Yeah. 30,000 stateside, hundreds of thousands outside stateside. Because we as Americans only refer to things as either here or not here. Right. Yeah. Uh There's no other... There's just the rest of the world. There's U.S. and the rest of the world. Because we are... U.S. and third world countries. Correct. (laughs) Including China... Microsoft says 100,000 of 400,000 Exchange servers globally remain unpatched. That's a fourth of the servers unpatched. Microsoft patched Tuesday, and th- this is this is March 9th. March this 9th. is the day that it was the patch was supposed to come out, and a quarter of the servers have not been patched. 
as a a week after I the see. patch was released. I see. So so people slow to yeah. Just knowing that there's an issue isn't enough to do. Uh, that doesn't help anybody. Mm-hmm. You've got to then. Uh, oftentimes it's through patching, but you have to have some kind of a remediation plan in mind. If if I've got email, and it's a critical piece of communication for my business. I know that I can't just go yanking that server offline. Yeah, I've got to communicate with all my different department heads and let them know, like, okay, there's something going on. We gotta, we gotta have an off-cycle maintenance window. When is a good time for us to take email offline and yeah. install that patch? Um, and oftentimes, like the inter-office, intra-office um, politics, kind of get in the way of of making things go quickly. Particularly if you've got folks at the top of the company mm-hmm. who uh, they don't want to deviate from uh, yeah. their normal maintenance windows or they, they, they don't prioritize it. So honestly, like having a quarter of them patched in a week to me is remarkable. That's that's pretty expedient Yeah. just because like... <laughs> 100,000 to 400,000 exchange servers globally remain unpatched. I see, I see. What day are we at? We're at March 14th. That's four days ago. Hey, happy Pi Day. Yeah, happy... Uh, Three one four. Man, do I wish we had the original <laughs> recording, because it was three eleven, and you just screamed "Happy Pie Day." I that was in reference to um, this time that somebody gave me a really delicious pie when I was listening to a three eleven song. It's it's lit. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I'm loving the flip flop. I think we have to record it at not our normal time for it to work. It's got to be off cycle. It has to be off cycle. It has mm-hmm. to be at night. We got to be chill and drinking coffee and eating um, cheesettes. Let's see. The working exploit for Exchange Flaw was published on GitHub and then removed by Microsoft because Microsoft owns GitHub. That happened March 10th. So GitHub is a place that people can go and they can collaborate on software. It's not unusual to see um, hacking tools uh, and, and open source hacking tools and exploit even um, showing up on there just because there are so many white hat security research. There's so many cybersecurity good guys who want to be able to run like proof of concept code or like tests or trials of, of exploits on their own networks to make sure that they're they're good and secure. Um, so that's not unusual. It is unusual for something that is currently catching the world on fire so, to get dropped down there. Two quick questions. First off, attribution. is Does this fall underneath our not giving attribution? Because they know who did it. They know who's been exploiting them. And I know exactly what it is. I just left that out because we don't give attribution here. Okay, let me clarify my stance on attribution. Okay. If you're a business... Michael Jackson. I'm sorry. I couldn't hold it any longer. Michael Jackson's done all of this. (laughs) (laughs) I was was so caught off guard. I'm sorry. Keep going. I'm just kidding. If you're a business... If you're a business, uh, if you're in the business of being bad, attribution matters so little it really only matters in one of two, maybe a third scenario. The first scenario is who can I sue? If you're not prepared to litigate over somebody else having uh, causing a cybersecurity loss on you, mm-hmm. by and large, it's not going to be worth your time to figure out who has perpetrated a crime. Attribution falls apart when it comes to uh, when it comes to like a legal pursuit of things because there is so much anonymizing of, of things that happen through the computers. Um, it, it's not, it is not um, infrequent that you'll see some cybersecurity research group say, hey, we know that it was this, uh, we know that it couldn't have been a Russian APT, a, a Russian hacking group, mm-hmm. because this malware checks to see if the native language of the keyboard is Russian. 
that could just be a red herring. If you yeah. know that people are racing to figure out who did it, throw some dust on the trail. Yeah. The the reporting is wildly inaccurate because you have all these different uh, threat research groups that are trying to get their name out to attach it to uh, we were the ones who figured out who was the bad guy. The The other and much more important reason to figure out attribution is for threat intelligence. If I know that comedian Nate Fleming is hacking my organization, Can't catch me. and I've seen him hack other businesses before, and he starts by opening the door, and then he breaks a window, and then he leaves a camera somewhere. Mm-hmm. If If I know that he's already broken into my house, I can start checking my windows and I can start looking for hidden cameras. If you're not, if you don't have a threat intelligence program and you don't intend to litigate somebody who has caused you a cybersecurity loss, there, for, if you're a business, there's just not a, there is not a, there's not a, a reason to justify the amount of time that people spend trying to figure out who is mm-hmm. hacking them. Okay. So it was a, uh, so geohot. <laughs> yeah, it was geohot. <laughs> That's a funny joke only to your people. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know who published it to GitHub, but I, I do know the group that is behind it, and they are a Chinese hacking group. Mm, okay. Um, I know their name. The group is called Hafnium. Yeah. H-A-F-N-I-U-M. Hafnium. I don't know what they do. Um, they hack. <clears throat> they're hackers. On March 10, security firm ESET reports at least 10 advanced persistent threat. Cybercrime and espionage groups have been exploiting the newly exposed exchange flaws for their own purposes. I don't care. I don't know what that means. Here's what it means. Go for it. You had the original ring of cyber bad guys, the the, the first group of hackers who had the exploit for um, the Microsoft Exchange vulnerabilities. Uh-huh. They were using some things, and then the, uh, the American government worked with all these different branches to try to get the word out. Patching happened very quickly in this off-cycle patching. Um, very quickly in quotations. It, yeah, fairly quickly, yeah, I should say. Um, but they weren't able to sit on this zero day for months like you saw in SolarWinds. Yeah. yeah. Like so, a, yeah. Oh, SolarWinds, I love SolarWinds. So what do you do if you have a narrow window of opportunity and, and, and your window is getting shut by, by the patch that's coming out? Well, you want to capitalize as quickly as you can. Call your friends. Yeah. Hey, my all my all of my hands at Hafnium, my advanced persistent threat, we are already hands on keyboard. We're working round the clock to try to compromise as many organizations as we can. But what are you doing over there? Hey APT twenty nine, hey APT thirty, all these different threat groups, what are you guys up to? You wanna get in on some real red hot compromises, hot off the presses? Let's go into business together and we'll all take down as many organizations as we can or try to turn a profit on as many organizations as we can. A rising tide sinks all ships with holes in them. Y- yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been a holy ship in the tide? Yeah. I mean, I don't talk much about that anymore. Good. What? March 12th. Microsoft <laughs> says there are still, there are still 82,000 unpatched exchange servers exposed. Groups trying to take advantage of this vulnerability are attempting to implant ransomware and other malware that could interrupt business continuity. That's the update between when we recorded on 3.11 and today. So there's stuff that happened March 12th that they're just now reporting, and I have an article about it that I'm kind of going to go through while I read it. Yeah, well, so that makes a lot of sense because your guys get together and they try to they try to capitalize however they can. Ransomware is a it's a favorite toolkit of so many different... Um, hacking groups out there. So you're going to reach to the tool that you know and you trust and you've worked with before. 
maybe I wasn't able to do a long, protracted, slow and low um, espionage compromise like mm-hmm. the solar winds hack. Yeah. Solar but, winds happened from March to December. But I could drop that ransomware that I've been using everywhere. I've already got admin access. I've already got a web show where I yeah. can run whatever commands I want. Let me just also drop my my own custom malware that I have for uh, for ransomware. And timeline-wise, it's kind of crazy. They I don't know if anyone's reported yet of when they first started seeing activity of this mm-hmm. kind. But my guess is it wasn't too much earlier than January 5th. If these are like some pretty impressive exploits. But SolarWinds, that was March of 2020. And they discovered it December of 2020 and then patched it like end of December of 2020. Yeah. And they don't like, and it's, this is ridiculous. They only got to 18,000, but solar winds isn't as far reaching as Microsoft that had a window of two months at mo at minimum two months. Yeah. And then it became hundreds of thousands. You know, you know, Trevini and I sometimes talk about like the ramifications that come from a company getting hacked in a, in a big and being part of somebody else's supply chain hack. Mm Mm-hmm. We got an email from the CEO of SolarWinds um, that says they are they're having to change the name of their uh, of, of their tools. Um, they're they're now going to be rebranding. Uh, some of their modules are going to be re- spun off under a brand called Enable. They're having to completely step away from all of the reputation of SolarWinds so that they can continue to to have a respectable image. In my mind, like SolarWinds just pulls a petcha and becomes not SolarWinds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's probably the nerdiest cybersecurity joke I've ever made. I like that one, though. That was a pretty good That's one. That's your first joke that, you know what, Nate, today is the day that I'm going to write something down on my blank notebook. Happy Pie Day. That's what it is. <laughs> Happy it has pie nothing day. to do with my joke. My mother still loves you more. So um, the art, there was an article that I'd used last time as well that kind of g- breaks down the four vulnerabilities. I miss you, Janet. I, you mean Janice? Microsoft focused its investigation on whether the hackers obtained the credentials needed to gain access to the Exchange server by a Microsoft partner, either intentionally or unintentionally. It is suspected that the hackers hackers possessed proof of concept attack Wait. code. Hacker has been there the whole time. Hacker? Why do we call them threat actors? Threat hackers. <laughs> They're hackers. Threat hackers and bad advertising. We are better at this than anyone else is who's doing it. You got to stay t- you got to stay tuned for 3 weeks to catch it bad advertising. <laughs> oh, that's right. Bad advertising isn't out yet. Yeah. Because this is an emergency podcast. <laughs> that's right. But Hacker. Yeah, Hacker. Let me do uh Hafnium originates in China. The group uses a web of virtual private servers located in the US to try and conceal its true location. Entities previously targeted by the group include think tanks, nonprofits, oh god. Defense contractors and researchers. <laughs> I gotta go. Yeah, sorry. I gotta make some calls. <laughs> I gotta check some. Um, okay, so it's not just Hafnium anymore, but they were the ones who kind of started this whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Here are the four vulnerabilities. They impact on-premise Exchange Server 2013, 2016, and 2019. Exchange Online is not affected. This one is CVE 2021-26855. CVE is just like the, it's the unique identifier that we, we give a, um, a vulnerability. There are, so, there are thousands of vulnerabilities out there. You're not going to be able to remember. This is the remote code execution for exchange. Because there may be, well, there's four here that sound like they're all related. Yeah, you're putting a date and a number behind it. And the number, I guess, is the identifier. So if you want to find like, oh, I want to figure out the SolarWinds hack. You remember it happened in 2020. So you can type in CVE 2020 and whatever number. Yep. And then get to it easier. That makes sense. I, look, I know that. Okay. I, 
Don't know why you're sorry. I'll just go back to thinking about Tommy. Thank you. What? Tommy was this kid I went to school with, and... You're doing a poor job of remembering my own bits. I hardly listen to you. Have you tried, like, I don't know, being a cybersecurity smart like me? You are going to be so surprised when I edit everything that you say out. (laughs) And it's just you talking to yourself? Just my reactions. Yeah. So this one is a 9.1, the Microsoft Exchange Server one. A server-side request forgery vulnerability leading to crafted HTTP requests being sent by unauthenticated attackers. That hurt me last time too. Servers need to be able to accept entrusted connections over port 443 for the bug to be triggered. Okay, so you just said a lot of things. Yes, because I'm a word man. I'm a word man. You're like a cybersecurity guru over there. Yeah, no, try your hardest. I'll fix it for you. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll just, I'll just, from the top. I'll I'll patch it. Let's let's start this podcast over. Oh, God. (laughs) Untrusted over 443. Yeah. Um, In networking, we have all these different port numbers. And um, think of it this way. Could be equated to like actual ports. Like you're not going to, this port is for these types of deliveries only. Yeah, sure. If, if theoretically, wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Theoretically, uh, take take port eighty and four four three because those are the ones that people talk about the most. Um, port eighty is where you send HTTP traffic, right? Mm-hmm. So if I go to a browser and I type in www dot whatever, um, that's where that's where all of the information is going to go over port eighty to get to my computer. HTTPS traffic uh, goes over four four three. These two are completely different. Yeah, they're two different ports. Like, if you're told to deliver to Boston, you have to go to where? You got to go Boston? Yeah, and if you're told to deliver to Miami, you got to go to where? Well, you got to go Miami. Yeah, see, exactly. So Miami could be 443 and Boston could be port 80. It's it's like, like having said, different ports. Okay. Is what I want to say. All tell right. <laughs> so this is saying that uh, there would have to be some reason that your Boston port is accepting connections, is, is accepting deliveries yep. through Miami. Yes. And this honestly happens all the time because things, oh man, remember when we talked about email servers being yeah. configured to be open? Yeah. Not creating any problems? If you want to know that your deliveries are going to make it to you, you're going to accept them wherever they come in. Mm-hmm. I want them over Boston, but if the opportunity comes up to take it over Miami, I'm going to take it over Miami too, just yeah. so that we don't have any problems. Yeah. That's exactly what, what is going on here. But Miami's security is lower. You know, right? Miami yeah. security isn't ready for what's coming because Boston has a different type of security. Because normally through Boston, you have a lot of the drugs hidden inside the fish. It's a crabbing community, so they, they stick it in the crabs. Where Miami's not going to check the crabs. I saw that movie once. CVE 2021 26857. <laughs> this one is a 7.8 on the CVSS scale. Still high. Still very high. I mean, it's, I wouldn't want a 7.8 microwave happening under my feet. You're, you're still talking about a lot of organizations. Mm-hmm. Not microwave. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> you're still talking about vulnerabilities that are so extreme that a lot of uh, organizations, uh, they have expedited patch cycles for vulnerabilities that are this high. Yeah. You got to. Yeah. It's a 7.8 microwave scale. Mm-hmm. I'm so dumb. An insecure deserialization vulnerability in the Exchange Unified Messaging Service allowing arbitrary code deployment under system. However, this vulnerability needs to be combined with another or stolen credentials must be used. And if you wanted to get stolen credentials, you can Mimi Cats it. 
Oh, look at you. Mm. You know too much about this podcast. Mm. Everybody, uh, this is Nate's last podcast. Look, now I, he knows too much. <laughs> I listen I listen to every podcast as they release. If you want to be the next host of the Citadel podcast at Citadel Podcast, just tweet us your resume. You just replaced yourself because I'm the co-host. Oh, no. If you want to be the... <laughs> you want to be the technical Baby. officer for a cybersecurity <laughs> company. <laughs> I got one. Pays um, well. Uh, what are we talking about? We talked about arbitrary code execution for... We, yes. Oh, we, under system. This is important. This is saying that uh, if you can get some other credentials, you can run your software under the the account that the, that the operating system uses to do its work. Mm-hmm. This is like um, uh, when you were talking about doing stand-up, getting heckled by yourself. This is like the computer accidentally taking operations that work against itself because there's malware that is running under there's there's malware that has stolen the identity of your computer and is actually yeah. running under your computer's account. And system is all capitalized because right. it's a part of your computer. It's essentially like your computer has a little robot person inside that it doesn't have its own thoughts and abilities. You are telling that robot person what to do. What this vulnerability is doing is it's telling it's it's able to take control of the robot person. So then you can't do anything. So they're now controlling your computer because they've got the robot person under their control. I feel like you could do this whole podcast by yourself. Well, I'm only doing that. I was hoping you would have remembered it because that's exactly what we did on the last podcast. We like worked for a while and then figured out, oh, this is how we can communicate. Again, I barely listen to you. Yeah. Shut the movie, bitch. Uh, CVE 2021 26858. And 27065, both still 7.8s on the CVSS scale. Yeah. Uh, They both are a post-authentication arbitrary file write vulnerability to write to paths. They're both both written the same, but uh, um, my assumption is they both, you either use them differently or you access them differently or they're different paths. Yeah. You're going to make the computer rock'em sock'em itself. Yeah. Basically, through this one hole in the security of this system. Four zero days make one big old hole. A huge hole. Attackers can do literally anything they want. They can um, laterally move from one workstation to another. They can um, they could run their own malware. They could drop ransomware. They could um, they could drop a banking Trojan and, and capture your username and passwords to to get into your online banking. They can forge your identity and communication streams. They can send emails on your behalf. They can ask for money to be transferred out of your account. They can't, they can't, they are you at that point. They are acting as your digital self. Everything that could go terribly wrong went terribly wrong literally the morning after we recorded it the first time. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like the evolution of this was there's a guy named Orange Sigh and he says, Hey, I found something that seems pretty bad, but. I don't think anybody's going to figure out where it is. Yeah. It's kind of weird that he broadcasts that. And then the next day, people figured out where it was. Mm-hmm. And another company says, yeah, we're we're not just seeing that there is a problem. We're seeing people who are actually starting to abuse yeah. this, this hole. They're exploiting it. One is initially talked about, but there's really four of them that kind of work together. And once Microsoft and the FBI and the CISA and, and all these different groups get together to try to explain to everybody just how critical that is, this is, there's a, um, there's, there's, a, there's a wildfire that spreads through the hackers around the world mm-hmm. to try to go and compromise as many of these uh, organizations as they can. There's a big effort to patch as quickly as they can, but there's still a whole bunch of them out there that aren't patched. 
And not only are they able to get into exchange, but they're able to move through your network. They're able to run whatever they want. They're able to steal. They are completely unmitigated. Yeah, so Microsoft Exchange server hacks are doubling every two hours. Doubling every two hours? Yes. According to Checkpoint Research, threat hackers are actively exploiting four zero-day vulnerabilities this is as of March 12th. This is two days ago from when this podcast recorded. Three days earlier from when you're listening to it, wonderful listeners. Thank you for uh, listening with us. We love you, and we hope you tell a friend about us today. Uh, spread the good word. In the past 24 hours on March 12th, the team has observed exploitation attempts on organizations doubling every two to three hours. The countries feeling the brunt of attack attempts are Turkey, the United States, and Italy. Palo Alto estimates that at least 125,000 servers remain unpatched worldwide as of March 12th. That's interesting. What what you're reading through is metrics put out by a bunch of different cybersecurity good mm-hmm. guys. Yeah. I'm talking about um, antivirus companies, uh, firewall companies, two firewall companies working together um, there to provide that data. Just like the bad guys working together, now you've got a, a, sort of our remediation team. The problem is it doesn't matter if people know about the problem. That's that's what vulnerability management mm-hmm. is. It's, it's discovering um, what vulnerabilities are there completely separate discipline to actually fi- fix it. And Microsoft is in the best seat to be able to, you know, kind of force this patch upon people, but even then they can't click those buttons on your behalf. There's got to be somebody at your organization who is who is staying current with all this. Yep. This is the biggest news right now to cybersecurity nerds. Yep. To maybe a podcast nerd. Yep. Who else? Not not to small business owners. So they could be you could be they could be compromised and have no idea. Oh, for sure. And so before we hop into this next portion, essentially there's 10 different APT groups going to town right now. It's a feeding frenzy. Going to town. And it's the uh, Microsoft said it's very similar to the 2017 WannaCry outbreak. Yeah, WannaCry. That's we, one that we got to get into. Yeah, I was about to say, can we put that on the list? I yeah. want to talk about WannaCry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because sure. that name sounds amazing. Yeah. Um, But from here, what do you do? That's the, like, I think this is the most important what do you do we've ever done because it's, it is prescient. It is right now. This is, this is tremendously challenging. Yeah. As a, as a business, how do you, how do you step away from what is, it has to be one of your most critical systems, email. Yep. How do you, how do you stop using it in the, the month that it took the patch to come out, right? Mm Mm-hmm. If two if months, the two months before yeah. the patch comes out, two months. That's like that's like having a that's like having a wound, and just no bandage for two months, right? <laughs> Your house is on fire, and it's two months till the water gets here. Uh, yeah, geez. Um, and the house doesn't burn down either. It's just still burning. H- how do you how do you begin to piece together a solution for that? So I thought of two things since it is my duty as the host. Yes. Of what to do. Um. You're going to want to be able to know what activity is happening on your systems. For sure. You want uh, managed detection responses, if you could, of someone who's actively managing. But you also want the other detection response. Is it EDR? EDR, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you you want some sort of system set in place to let you know what traffic is coming in and coming out of what you're doing in your footprint on the internet. 
with we I believe we talked about this in a previous podcast where we talk about how you can set up something that gives you the list of things that are going in and out and the mm-hmm. list of things and then someone you want someone who knows how to interpret that jargon and that information. Yeah, we talked about um, Macaulay Culkin's cybersecurity defense. Yes, wasn't just based on keeping the robbers out. It was also by having tripwires and and all these different things that he could do once the bad guys were in that would slow them from being able to reach their goal and would certainly keep Macaulay Culkin in the know on what was going on. Yeah. So when we talk about these vulnerabilities, that's how the bad guys get in. Yes. What do they do once they're there? They set up back doors. They set up back doors. They've been dropping ransomware. Now, now you pretty much if ransomware gets dropped on your machine, you got two ways of figuring out that they that that that's happened. The first way exorcism is, is uh-huh. Yep. The first way is you've got EDR endpoint detection and response that yes, sees the endpoint. that sees the ransomware behavior. It mm-hmm. might not it might not recognize it as ransomware, but it will sure say, "Hey, we've got some tripwires that are starting to flag." Yeah. They've stepped on some cans on a string. Um you're able to kind of see the behaviors. The second way is you just don't know until your data is gone. Yeah. You get the ransom note. That's when you are able to detect that you have ransomware. Yep. Um, so I think you're absolutely right. You have to have some kind of a method for just understanding what what is what is actively happening on on your network right now. Because yeah. here's one where we had we have this great success story about um, Microsoft swooping in with this off-cycle patch and the government trying to help and provide assistance yep. and knowledge to people. Yep. And that's not common. No, it's not. That doesn't happen all the time. And that's that's my one that's one of two options for you. Yeah. So that first option is all that. And and for EDR and MDR, managed detection response and uh, endpoint detection response, you can do a website. You can do an internet search for that. The second one was one that we went back and forth on for a little bit, but it's definitely hiring a professional. Yeah, so that, it, let's talk about options. That, well, I gave options, one and two. Okay, okay. Um, <laughs> if you can build out all of the responsibilities, all of the operations mm-hmm. that will detect, respond, shut down behavior. Yeah. Um, you can look at uh, you can look at compromise. Um, you can look at the latest and greatest threat intelligence and assign that to a person on your on on your payroll. Um, and you can make it that person's responsibility to just stay current with what the not just the ten hackers that are working together here, yeah, but all of them across the globe, globe, and see what they're see what they're up to, what they're targeting, so that you can start to make you can have that person begin to assign out defense plans, yeah. And then you need to hire that person who is going to do the endpoint detection response, mm-hmm. and I'm here to tell you that that person is doing some of the nerdiest cybersecurity stuff. There is right now. Uh, that's a very high skill, high pay position. But you can bring on your own EDR guy, but that doesn't even equip him with the tool that he's going to need. So you'll need to also buy some sort of a detection and response platform, something that gives you that gives your your new employee who does the endpoint detection response the data that he needs to perform his job. And that's. That's a really good piece of it, but we still haven't even talked about identifying your vulnerabilities. Yeah. That's a third person with a third with a second tool. He needs a vulnerability scanner. 
and that doesn't even handle your patching, right? So now mm -hmm. you got to find somebody to do your patching, and in most cases, you need a tool to make that that manageable as well. Or you can find a service that kind of does all this for you. Cool. So what I said. Well, here's what I heard yesterday. I heard somebody say, I'm pretty sure that my IT guys kind of have a handle on this. Remember that cybersecurity isn't just a cost for you. It's even it's a cost for Citadel, right? All of the services that we do yeah. still cost us something to to perform those services. And I'm here to tell you that if you don't see reports that show that patches are being installed or that vulnerabilities are being identified, if you have never seen an incident response plan, they, they don't have one. Yeah. If, if they haven't ever told you about activity that's on your network, they're not monitoring for activity on your network. Uh, I know this was really tough for you to get through last time because you want to be able to offer easy simple solutions to people at the end of this this ain't an easy simple vulnerability like that's the difference between this and the other ones we've talked about which is specifically why you heard the pre-roll at the beginning of this episode explaining that this one was sponsored by the namesake of the podcast you're just assuming that you've won that argument oh i'm not assuming i've won it i've won the argument <laughs> citadel is a company where the purpose is to help and empower businesses no matter the size. So if you're a small business and hiring three or four people is outside your range, that's what Citadel is there for. Because not every business can hire these experts and not every business has someone who can take time out of their day-to-day -day work to, to figure out what to do as sole proprietors or, or as a business of 10, 10 people. Like that one person's gotta be focused on other things yeah. to keep the bills paid. So the purpose of Citadel is exactly for what we're talking about right now. You have 9.1, 7.8 vulnerabilities out there that are ubiquitous. You more than likely use Outlook, which is attached to an exchange server, which is usually physical unless you're using Office 365. So if you don't know how to do it, then you are still one of the 140,000 plus users that have not patched their system and are it, the threats are doubling every two to three hours. Uh, yeah, so I'm uncomfortable, but at the very least, here's I'm what you can do. You, <laughs> you can, I, I don't want it to be an ad, but I want to give people the free information. I want them to make, so let me say this. Here's what? two Here's two things you can do. Here's two things you can do today. So these are, we're now at six things. <sighs> I'm, I'm trying to give people as many options other, I'm a I'm a bad sales guy is what it comes down to. I got a book for you. You can go to your IT provider today and you can say if you have one. I'm concerned about this threat. I I heard about it on a podcast and they were talking about, you know, this exchange vulnerability. Am I good? And don't just take a yes or no. Okay, great. So you you say I'm good. Can you show me why I'm good? What is it? That, What's your incident response plan? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Right. If I wasn't good, if there wasn't a patch for this yet, if this was unknown, how would you detect that kind of activity? And they might say that we use managed detection response, mm -hmm. or they might say that we've got um, an we have a network intrusion detection system slash intrusion prevention system. We've got another box in addition to the firewall whose job is to go and and look for these signs of compromise even before there's a patch. Okay, great. So you've got that extra control there. Who's running that thing? 
how often do you update that? We were talking with the team uh, at our, our staff meeting on Monday, and we just picked a, a, a three-hour period. And we saw that once every 18 minutes, our, our threat intelligence was getting updated. Um, if you don't have a routine in place to constantly push your security forward, to constantly make it better, you're just going to become part of the free, feeding frenzy yeah. from the from the, the hackers. Currently, it's 10 uh, APTs, which are groups. There's probably more people out there. So this podcast has been sponsored by us for the first time ever. We're trying to illustrate that uh, that that cybersecurity is a mess. It is hard. It is mm -hmm. a problem. Um, but we exist to make it easy. Yeah, you can absolutely do it yourself. If you don't want to, that's why we are here. We'll even assist you in, in doing it yourself. We've got, uh, if you're concerned about ransomware, right? If you're worried that those bad guys came in, yeah. you can be on our website and you can see there's three practical things that you can do step by step by step. There's even a video that, that's embedded in there that you can click on it and you can see exactly what you need to do in order to have a pretty good free ransomware defense. Hmm. If you want to talk in, in real detailed specifics. Tweet us. Tweet us, at Citadel Podcast. Um, so uh, from from my family to yours, we want to say that I've never ended a podcast before. We want to say thanks. Hey, Janet, we'll catch up soon. Nate, why don't you go ahead and sing us out? Ba-da-ba-ba-da-ba. -ba -ba -ba. Hey.